I think we've reached the point in the United States where I think a lot of Christians and, and other uh, people of uh, deep religious conviction are looking around and saying, you know, what, what has happened? Because we're in a situation right now where there's open hostility and the threat of that hostility coming directly from the state, from our own government. Welcome back to the Kevin Roberts Show here on location in the free state of Florida at the National Conservatism Conference. Many great Americans here. One of them is my new friend, Dr. Al Mohler, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Al, thanks for joining me. Kevin, great to be with you. Thank you. This is the start of a joke. Baptist and a Catholic sitting down at a conservative conference. For the record, we're both drinking water. For the record. Well, it's more important for, for me than for you, I think. Yes, that, that's right. No, it's, I could tell already we're going to have a good conversation. And as I was mentioning to you here as we were prepping, we're just going to have a conversation. That's really what the that's audience great. likes because the people who tune into this are interested about the future of America. They're interested right. about conservatism and a lot of them very interested in faith, both, of course, mm -hmm. the faith they practice, whatever that may be, but also faith and its importance to America. And that's where mm -hmm. I want to start with you. Sure. And that is, what's your motivation for being here? I think you're closing out this conference tomorrow night. I'm giving the keynote tomorrow night. And I'm going to be speaking on the dangerous uh, impossibility, the dangerous illusion of the secular state. And I think we've reached the point in the United States where I think a lot of Christians and, and other uh, people of uh, deep religious conviction are looking around and saying, you know, what, what has happened? Because we're in a situation right now where there's open hostility and the threat of that hostility coming directly from the state, from our own government. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to talk about the intellectual and historical roots of, of this illusion of the secular state. And frankly, there is an awful lot of people who think themselves, some think themselves conservative, some think themselves Christian, who somehow actually believe that there could be a secular state. No, that, that's right. So I'm curious because you and I have similar backgrounds. You lead a wonderful institution, mm -hmm. not just for Southern Baptists, but for all Americans. I led a much smaller, a smaller institution of faith, but my, my sense based on, on my experience there in Wyoming at that little institution was that American institutional life, is, as some of our academic colleagues would call it, is really yeah. under assault by the secular state. No, absolutely. And, you know, uh, we were warned about the long march through the institutions. But uh, I think most Christians, especially in the United States, did not realize that that meant the long march through our institutions. But that's exactly what you see, the, the enormous pressure. Uh, I mean, it's the Biden administration using Title IX uh, executive orders. It's uh, pressure and, uh, I mean, frankly, it doesn't have to be all that much external pressure on accrediting agencies because higher, act, higher educational elites are really pretty much in control of that. But uh, yeah, the pressures are absolutely enormous. And uh, quite frankly, a lot of institutional Christianity surrendered decades ago. And that's, that's something that you and I agree 100% on. I'm curious both at the macro level, what, what we were just uh -huh. talking about, institutional level, but also what we might call the micro level, that is from the standpoint of students who are entering yeah. your seminary, yeah. what are they saying about the culture, about the challenges they have just to be in that seminary? You know, I think uh, that uh, one of the most surprising things, and it's only counterintuitive to people who've never thought about it for long, uh, but. If it is counterintuitive, I'm just going to tell you it's true and it shouldn't be counterintuitive. And that is that the happiest people on the planet are young Christians 
who are uh, just eager to follow Christ and to be obedient, to get married, to have children, to form families, to, to, to pastor churches, to preach the Word. They're just an enormously happy crew, and there are thousands of them. You know, we have over 6,600 students, and, uh, and yet they, they definitely know that they are not representing the norm of their generation. And, you know, by the time they're showing up on our campus now, say at age 18 for the college, age 22, 23 for the seminary, they've already had to fight against the headwinds of this culture. So they've, they've self-selected into an institution yeah. that they know well. God bless you. And, and uh, there's also just sitting here, and it's no surprise, although we've just met in person, that you're very cheerful because that, that is evidence of, of the point you just made. Mm -hmm. And that leads me to this next comment, which is about the, our society writ large, Dr. Moeller. Mm -hmm. One of the things that concerns me the most is the sense of loneliness, which leads to despair. Yeah. It's it, a lot of that research tends to focus on Americans age 20 to 40. But of course, it's the entire population. Mm -hmm. What's your sense of how we address that? I think we've talked about the origins. Yeah, you know, we're living in a society that increasingly uh, tells people to go home or put in your earphones and uh, become a universe of one. And, uh, you know, Christianity is really telling us the opposite. There are times when we need solitude and, and we pray, as Jesus said, in the closet. But the reality is we are meant for communion and we are meant for community. And uh, I, I think a part of what we have to do is recognize, by the way, as a churchman, I just have to say that the church is the most natural place other than the family for that to take place. It's... Uh, it's also true of, a, of an institution. You're president of a college. Uh, I'm I doing that now and have for 30 years. You know, I tell students when they come into the college, you're actually going to make the closest friends you're going to have for life right now. You don't know that. You thought your high school friends were close. You'll be lucky if you remember their name in 10 years. But, but the, college, the college friendships are something deeper because at a strategic time of life, you're really growing into life together. So one question I want to ask, which is to, to go from culture downstream to politics, yeah. but really policy. As the head of a college and seminary, but also as just a very thoughtful American, what would you identify for our audience as the, the big obstacles to an institution like yours flourishing in terms of policy? Yeah, well, if we're talking about, say, uh, government policy, right. I mean, it's right up front, the, uh, the open hostility uh, it, on uh, non-discrimination grounds. Uh, you know, we are now, and this is unconscionable in the United States, we're having to fight for the right to hire and to admit students uh, by our own convictional criteria. Now, pretty much uh, until now, the, the state and accrediting agencies have kind of encroached near that borderland, and then they kind of went back a little bit. But we now have open calls. And, and for instance, the uh, legislation that uh, Senator Schumer says is soon to come before the Senate passed in the House with 47 Republican votes to the shame of all 47 Republicans on uh, codifying the Obergefell decision and legalizing same-sex marriage. Uh, that legislation explicitly denies any ability for religious institutions uh, to appeal on the basis of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Now, you don't close that door unless you intend to kneel it shut. That is exactly it's an right. announcement they're coming for us. Well, in, in the lane that I now occupy as president of the Heritage Foundation, that right now is the number one issue we're fighting in Congress. And Absolutely. keep in mind, we're a secular institution. Of course, we're animated by our Christianity, right? right. Which, which kind of harkens back to the comment you made earlier. But we're cautiously optimistic we can, we can keep that thing from, from being considered. And this is what I've said. Tell me what you think about it. 
I remember telling this to friends of, of the college I was leading who were not of faith, but who yeah. appreciated that we weren't taking federal student loans and grants. This is what I've been saying Which about that bill. Which we do not either. I knew that, and yeah. I wanted you to yes. have the opportunity yeah. to mention Excuse that. Me. No, please, that's fine. The, 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 the point is that if that kind of bill succeeds, you can be an American yeah. not of faith and think that this isn't your dog in, in the fight. Right. But in fact, every right is under assault if that happens. Well, absolutely. You know, the, the, the same kind of logic that says this institution has to be accredited. And by the way, we, we, we are accredited by every appropriate entity and we're operating, operating out of a position of incredible academic strength. But, you know, that doesn't matter in a world that measures everything by ideology and, and by submission to the idols of the age. Uh, the other thing is, is that they can control, the same logic can control the professions. You know, who can and cannot become a physician or a pharmacist? And, and just look at the denial of conscience rights to pharmacists right now on issues of so-called emergency contraception and, you know, Plan B and, and all the rest. Uh, this administration has announced right up front that it intends to use every executive mechanism at its, at its reach, and from Title IX to uh, EEOC issues and all the rest, to try to push that. And, and so, number one, you know, even if you don't have, if you're not a student in a Christian college or a religious college, or if, if you, you don't have a child who is, well, eventually you're going to have grandchildren who are. Th th this is about undermining yourself. This is what I don't get about conservatives. Conservatives are supposed to be, by definition, the people who have the long view. I just was like, wake up and remember, right. the long view might be Tuesday. Uh, the way the society is right, going, right? Right, but we've got to have the long view here. We're trying to make certain that the institution I lead is handed over uh, to generations to come. One of our kind of informal mm -hmm. mottos at Heritage on that uh -huh. point is that the work that we do, whether it's the straight policy work yeah. for which we were founded, or increasingly the work we're doing in civil society, you mm -hmm. know, formal and, and informal affiliations with institutions like yours, that we're doing that for two generations from ours, that is, for, for our grandparents. Yeah. And I think when we have that long view, we stay home as conservatives. And by the way, you're on really strong biblical ground there for your children and your children's children, that their days in the land may be long. Amen. I'm going to ask you one more question. Right. I'd sit here and talk several hours with you. I look this forward to doing fun. that sometime. But there's a conference going on. You're a busy guy. The last question is one that I ask, try to ask every yeah. guest out, and that is, in spite of all the challenges we've talked about, yeah. why did you wake up optimistic today? Uh, well, I hate to, to uh, uh, puncture the question, but I did not wake up optimistic today. I'm a Christian, so I woke up joyful. I love it. Okay, so you it. understand the way I'm, I, I'm playing with 100%. your question. You know, I, I say, look, if you're a Christian and uh, you know, you find your rooting in the sovereignty of God and the lordship of Christ and the authority of God's word, then uh, you've got to wake up joyful. But optimism and pessimism are both representations of unbelief. If you're a Christian, you believe in God, you can't be optimistic. You can't be pessimistic. You just trust and that trust is joyful because we're not trusting in the force. Uh, we're trusting in the one true and living God. Well said. Well, my new friend, Dr. Al Muller, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, thanks for joining me. It's been good to be with you, Kevin. As we say in my part of the country, we got to talk. We will. <laughs> thanks for joining this episode of The Kevin Roberts Show. We will be back again soon with yet another important American making a difference. Take care. The Kevin Roberts Show is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producer is Crystal Kate Bonham. The producer is Philip Reynolds. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and Tim Kennedy. 
For more information and to subscribe, please visit heritage.org.